Welcome to Thursday on the Pure Opelka podcast. It's Mike. I am uh, recording the podcast as we are about to watch the whistleblower testimony from the FBI agents who feel they've been retaliated against by their own government, by their agency. And it's going to be a, uh, a flame-throwing event, I imagine. We're going to hear some crazy testimony, and the Democrats are going to try and trash these people, many of them award winners, many of them loyal public servants, former soldiers who bravely stood up and said, this is wrong, what's happening here in the FBI. And now they've been suspended without pay. They've lost their future employment. It's wrong what's being done. And I know Jim Jordan will get to the bottom of it. So we will get to that tomorrow after this all clears up. We will dig into this completely. And so I, I'm i going to be very light on the discussion of what's happening. You know, Joe Biden's over in Japan, too. So we have to get an update on that. I'm sure there'll be several gaffes from Joe Biden's visit to the G7 meeting with the prime minister of Japan. And so between the whistleblower testimony and the G7 meeting, we're not going to cover too much of today's events. We will get to it all tomorrow. Instead, I give you a bonus supersized edition of our regular discussions with Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic, in case you didn't know who he is. Dr. Roizen's been talking with the podcast for almost five years now. He's the guy behind the Age Proof Life series of books and uh, the What to Eat When book and cookbook. And of course, the latest book, The Great Age Reboot, which has a companion website that's actually great. You should go there today. The Longevity Playbook, longevityplaybook.com. You can go there and you'll get a couple of tips in your mailbox every week. But we have important stuff to talk about today, including sleep and napping. And we'll get to that after we welcome him in here. Dr. Roizen, it is an honor to have you here, my friend. Welcome. It's a privilege being here, Michael. I'm glad you're here. I have a question, and I was having a discussion with a friend about napping. And we've talked about napping and how important sleep is. But sometimes too much napping is not good. Too much napping can be detrimental to your other sleep cycles. Dr. Royson, what is the proper amount of napping for an adult human? Well, in large databases, large-scale studies, it is between 20 and 30 minutes is the ideal for functioning long-term. Okay. That is the ideal for preventing dementia, the ideal for um, all-cause mortality, that is decreasing your risk of dying of any cause. Now, for an individual, for your friend who says he sleeps better other times when he has, um, in fact, when he uh, says he sleeps better, he feels more rested, for him, this may work. The hour and a half, the hour and a quarter may work fine. But for the vast majority of people, what that does is it cuts into the rest of their sleep time it, it disorders their entire sleep cycle and um, they because they get into what's called a um, sleep inertia state, they function less well long term. But hmm. for any one individual, well, maybe it, it works fine for him. 
um, I would uh, tell him he should get some sleep study device that's easy. There's sleepscore.com, which will send him a free device. There's an aura ring he can pay for, etc. And to look at what actually is happening with his both napping cycle and his uh, regular cycle to see what works best for him. That's very cool. Okay, so sleepscore.com is something he should look into, and they might send him a device that he could monitor his sleep and then learn about how effective this this longer nap pattern is for him. But for regular people, normal people, not that he's abnormal. He's a little strange because he's a friend of mine. Uh, but uh, for regular people, the 20 to 30 minute power nap, as I like to call it, that seems to be the ideal. Yeah, that's exactly right. In terms of preventing dementia, preventing brain dysfunction as you get older, and for reducing the cause, all causes of death, meaning uh, reducing the uh, risk of dying from any cause. Okay. Okay. Thank you, doctor. Now I want to get into some of the great research you've sent me this week. Uh, and, you know, I, there's so much I want to get into here, but uh, I'm, I'm looking at this, uh, this one headline on number 11, drug-resistant ringworm invading the USA. I haven't heard the term ringworm since I was a kid, like a little kid going swimming uh, in the summer and everybody said, oh, there's a ringworm outbreak. Is ringworm really a dangerous thing? Um, if you have the normal sensitivity to our antifungal drugs, you probably put one on when you had ringworm and it went away and you didn't have any disfigurement you didn't have it invading the rest of your body. It stayed on your skin or your hair. You wipe your mom got rid of it pretty fast because um, you had that treatment. Um, I think it was called Quell in those days. I don't know um, if it was if you're old enough to remember your Quell treatment. Um, and it went away and um, no problem, right? Now, imagine the ringworm doesn't go away. It takes off and you end up with a, a set of circles in your scalp um, that itch like crazy and that they, in fact, um, go and not only stay in your scalp, but they invade some of your internal organs and they cause all kinds of damage there as well. And you give it to the rest of your family members wow. when you associate with them. So your wife gets it, your, your golfing buddies get it, etc. cetera. Um, and uh, is that a problem? You're darn right it is. Wow. And this is a very, a very contagious and unfortunately... Um, not treatable with the medications we have now, as far as we know. That's a little scary. Where did it come from? How did how did ringworms suddenly become a problem again? Well, th there's some cases in Canada and some in Europe and some in Africa and some in Asia. And so what it says is we need to keep developing antifungals better than we have them. 
um, one and two is um, she traveled to Bangladesh, one of the two women, and brought it back from there. The other woman didn't associate with that first woman, as far as we know, as far as she says, as far as they don't know each other. And uh, the issue is where'd she get it? We don't know. She didn't do travel outside the U.S. Wow. So that's a problem um, that all of us are going to hope to avoid. Yeah, I hope so, too. And, and keep going, science. Keep developing stuff. Um, and while we're on the subject of uh, it's things that seem to pop up every now and then, Lyme disease. I live in the woods, so we're always aware of ticks. My garden is full of trees and a lot of shrubs, etc., and uh, I, I'm always keeping an eye out for Lyme because we also spent time out on Long Island. It seems to be a, a big stinking deal. Where are we on Lyme disease, especially at, at, related to this headline, lingering nerve symptoms from Lyme disease may be tied to your immune response? Well, between 5 and 20% of the people who get Lyme disease... That is, the people who actually have symptoms, they don't pull out the tick before it infects them. They don't get treated for it before it gives them symptoms. Between 5 and 20% of those who have a treatment, and it's very treatable, that is doxycycline or one of the old tetracycline drugs that is relatively inexpensive, uh, meaning uh, it's usually $4 a month copay, but you don't even need a month of it. You need about four or five days of it for this. And the tick goes away. But 5 to 20% of those develop longstanding neuropathies. That mm. is, they have a tick. That's not a pun. They have a tick or they have um, pain in their hips. They can't use their hands. They don't function as well. They have pain in them. They have shooting pain in them, etc. Well, it turns out that isn't due to persistent Lyme disease. It's due to our immune reaction to it, a overreaction, which also attacks our nerves, huh. which is where the Lyme has, the, the virus, the, sorry, the, um, if you will, it's a rickettsia where the the organism, the Lyme organism has gone, the tick is gone, the tick disease has gone, uh, and um, initially you get rid of it there with the um, antibiotic, but unfortunately you, 5 to 20%, um, will develop this immune overreaction which will cause you long-term pain. What's the, what's the answer to this? Well, there is no solid database answer, but we know that you can suppress that overimmune reaction by taking, as you often, and as I often say, take when you get the uh, vaccine, you should take a baby aspirin in the morning and night for three days before and three days after. That's probably what will uh, suppress an overreaction as well in this case. And so, um, but the best prevention is what you do. You bundle up with socks, you cover your pants up, you put DEET on them, and then you check for uh, ticks when you get home. And you try and keep your dogs and cats and animals away from places where uh, deer might roam. 
I am a I'm a big fan of uh, the uh, regular practice of checking each other for ticks when you get home. That can be fun. It's fun for the family. Mom and dad check for ticks when you get home. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a couple's game. Uh, Doc, there's two other important things I have to get to because you're going to have to after I get off the air, you can explain that to your audience. Oh, there's a there's an old uh, country song called "I'd Like to Check You for Ticks." I think it was a pickup line in a bar one time <laughs> that may have inspired that. Uh, but uh, there's a couple of things here that I have to get to because they're very important, and and there's uh, obviously a phone number that you've always talked about when it relates to people that have uh, suicidal thoughts. There's a, a specific time of day that seems to light up for suicidal thoughts. The highest month for thoughts is December. Okay. The highest month for action is late February, early March. And the time is between 4 and 5 a.m. Wow. Apparently, the, the theory on this, and it's just a theory, no one knows for sure, is that the spring, seeing the spring, gets you enough energy to actually take action and try and kill yourself. And for both women and men, the highest time is that late February, early March, and 4 to 5 a.m. And, you know, the leading leading way of trying to kill yourself in America is? It's handguns, isn't it? It's handguns, yeah. right. And so um, the uh, so make sure uh, you take away their guns and their ammunition. Um, and if you can only get one, make sure you get their ammunition taken away from them, including every ammunition in the gun, um, so they can't do anything uh, serious. And do you remember the number to call? I do, because uh, I keep this on hand because I, I know a lot of people are having trouble. 988. It's available 24-7. 988 to call if you think you're going to commit suicide. It is uh, no shame in getting help, no shame in asking for help. And uh, I, I will also uh, support what Dr. Roizen said. Listen, I'm a Second Amendment supporter in a large way, but if somebody has said to you that they are thinking about taking their life, it is truly your responsibility as a friend, as a co-human, to go and make sure they don't have a handgun or, as Dr. Roizen said, ammunition with them it's just the right thing to do as you are a neighbor it's really important 988 988 keep that number handy in your head it's as important as 911 all right doc one more here gravity gravity's going to kill us all now falls are the leading cause of death of people over 65 this is new data falls have increased fall deaths have increased threefold since 2004 in as a death and they're now causing the death of over 50,000 people over the age of 65 wow every year and guess which group it's increasing most in men yeah men is the highest rate of death increase uh -huh. and what what ethnicity of men white men that's exactly right. Oh, no. White men, 65 and older, getting taken out by gravity. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you prevent it? One is 
if you were in the military, you probably took a learn to fall class. Yeah, or skiing. That's the first thing they teach you when you learn how to ski. Right. So that's so practice and do, don't practice by yourself. Practice on a mat at a gym or at a you know a fitness center or at a most YMCA's, many firehouses, many JCCs have learn to fall classes where they actually practice falling. So this is something you can do. And secondly, practice balance. And the way you do that is you remember, you probably got this when you were in grade school, your teacher made you go into a corner. What happened to me, doctor, is the nuns would take me to the front of the room where the blackboard was and they draw a small circle and say, put your nose in the circle and keep it there for 10 minutes. Well, in my school, I had to stand in a corner. <laughs> and, and if you're in a corner and trying to balance on one leg, put a chair behind you. And then if you start to fall, you'll fall into one of the walls and you won't fall. So you want to be right in the corner, face, nose into the corner, chair behind you so you won't fall uh, backwards either. And you want to stand on one leg as long as you can. And believe it or not, within about three weeks, the time you can stand on one leg will more than double if you're usual. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you, Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic, Michael Pelka's tip for increasing your balance and its efficiency too on display. When you brush your teeth, you're supposed to brush for like two minutes, right? So stand on one leg for a minute while you brush, then when you switch to the other side, stand on the other leg while you brush it's yeah, uh, but that's that's an advanced test okay <laughs> because because in a bathroom you fall in the bathroom you're in big doo-doo usually because <laughs> there are usually hard floors in the bathroom well let's hope somebody flushed and you're not in big doo-doo but you're right there are tile floors <laughs> in the bathroom <laughs> I'm out of control today, Dr. Roizen. I better stop this before I get myself in deep doo-doo by my own self. His name is Dr. Michael Roizen, and he is just a wealth of knowledge that he shares with us about your health and how you can get younger and live longer. And you need to go to the Longevity Playbook website, longevityplaybook.com. You get a couple of emails in your uh, mailbox every week telling you, smart things you can do, and then we talk about other stuff here. My friend, thank you, thank you, thank you. My privilege, my privilege, my privilege.